Okay, um, so tonight is going to be a bit different. I think Joe mentioned that. Um, so we are coming to the end of our gospel and relationships, gospel and love, gospel and sexuality sort of series. This will be the fourth week of it um, and the end of it for the next two years. So if this has made you angry or tired or you're just tired of this, it's cool. We're not going to do this for another two years. Um, but tonight we're going to do a Q&A with uh, three couples uh, that I'm pretty close with, actually very close with and trust very, very much. Um, and so tonight basically the idea is there's two things that we want to get out of this and one's more important than the other. Um, the first thing is we want you guys to just get a bit of wisdom um, from people who have been down the road uh, in this relationship thing. I think there's something about relationships um, that has the opportunity to either take your life down a very beautiful path or a very dark path. Um, relationships more than anything have incredible power to do that um, because in essence what you are doing is you are yoking yourself up with another person um, and it's no longer just you and the Lord. Uh, it's you and somebody else and the Lord. Um, and very easily in your attempt to please or love another person, you will actually go a different direction than the way that the Lord would have for you. Um, and so there is great power in relationships for good and for bad. And so we really feel it necessary every, every two years or so to just hit this um, as strongly as we can, as biblically as we can. So the first thing about tonight is I just want you to get some wisdom from some people that, uh, that I trust, that I love, and I know um, that they're wise in this stuff. Uh, and the second thing in light of that is wisdom is good, uh, but if all you hear from the church is wisdom, uh, then we haven't done what we're here to do. Um, and so basically... Uh, we also want you to understand and come to grips with uh, the gospel. And that's why you've seen the gospel in love, the gospel in relationships, the gospel in sexuality. Because ultimately this is not about what are the rules that you follow, what are the things that you do to have a perfect relationship or a perfect marriage or a perfect friendship. That, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to say we're all imperfect, we've all made mistakes, we've all been unwise, and those things have caused pain and problems and issues um, and if we don't know how to take the gospel of Jesus and apply it to that, if we don't know how to take the blood of Christ who forgives us and cleanses us and apply it to our mistakes and to the places where we weren't wise and to the places where we were just dumb, um, if we don't know how to do that, then all we end up with is a set of rules that none of us can live up to. Um, and ultimately our, pain, our, our, pro, our mistakes will cause pain, and then our inability to live up to the, the correct standard is going to cause pain if we don't know how to take the gospel of Jesus and apply it to where we have made mistakes. Uh, and so that's another reason why I've invited these people up, these three couples, because I know uh, that they're almost perfect, but <laughs> in the places where there were mistakes... I know they understand how to take the blood of Jesus and apply it there and not religion or perfection and apply it there. Um, and so that's sort of where we're going to go tonight. Um, and so uh, lastly, you guys can come up. Uh, I'm, I'm about to, you thought I was going to do like a 20-minute introduction. I'm just not. Um, lastly, uh, you're going to see that we've done this a bit. We've tried to shy away from questions that are like, is this okay? Is this not okay? Is this okay? Is this not okay? Um, because ultimately, those questions are the wrong questions. Um, what our desire for you to see is that God created all things, loves his creation desperately, and wants them back in community and communion with him in the people who are also in community and communion with him. And... If you make this thing about the rules and the things you can do and you can't do, you never take your life and fully submit it to the Lord. It's always about the things that are right and the things that are wrong. Does God like me because I did the right things and I didn't do the wrong things? Um, and ultimately what we're asking you guys to do and I'm trying to do is say, here's all the good things and here's all the bad things. I'm submitting that to you and I want you to guide, I want you to direct, and I want you to lead. Um, and so I'm constantly in dialogue. Is this wise? Is this good? Is this best? Not is this lawful? 
If the questions in your mind revolve around, is this lawful? Does the Bible say no or yes to this? Uh, then you've sort of short-circuited the whole thing that Jesus died for, which is to bring you in relationship with your father. Uh, and then you say, okay, like, I'm going to bring everything to you. And even if it's good, I just want to make sure, like, this is the right direction. This is wise. This is what's best. So uh, basically, that's where we're going. Um, I'm done now. I'm sorry. Um, so let's, uh, let's get started. If you guys have questions, I tried to do my best to get, uh, there weren't a ton of questions that we received, but I tried to do my best to get them in here um, as true to the question that you asked as possible. Um, but if not, um, my name is on the, my, my email is on the little paper that you got when you came in. If you didn't get that, my email is terrell, T-E-R-R-E-L-L, at gracebiblechurch.com. That's my name and that's the church you're at. Um, if we don't get to something that's really been like on your mind, um, please email me uh, and I will have one of them email you back with your answer. Yeah, didn't tell you about that. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, but yeah, we just want to uh, make that, that really clear. Okay, so well, let's get started. Um, are y'all nervous? Test. Of course. Yeah, okay, good. All right. Um, I'm going to start off first, very general. Um, and remember, only one of you can answer each side of this question. So uh, first, just first tell us your name uh, before you answer the question. What's your name? Um, something cool about yourself. I don't know. Just be like, you know, all of y'all. Uh, anyway, just tell us your name and who you are. Um, okay, so what is the most difficult thing about marriage slash what is the best part about marriage? But one of you gets one of those and the other of you gets the other one. So y'all get to decide. Isaac, you can, you can start us off. Okay, I'll just keep talking. Um, my name is Isaac, and I graduated from SFA. Um, I've been working here in Nacogdoches for four or five years now, and uh, I have a 13-month-old son um, named Peter. So I've got uh, the most difficult thing, and uh, I just say it's, it's, it's living life together. Um, just being so used to my own selfish tendencies and my own desires of this is how things are supposed to be and um, I like to control things so you know it's just it, it gets real easy for me to get wrapped up in that <clears throat> in my own desires of uh, that you know dishes have to be washed this way or you know you have to pick up or I have to have my socks in this order or whatever um, and then along with that just uh, the way that uh, both of our families were raised, were, was very different. Uh, she was born in Georgia, um, so very conservative, and I was born in California, so I had liberal parents, and I ask why all the time, and she's, uh, just do it. Um, so that's been fun learning, uh, especially when you get to kids, too, because now it's like, okay, go ahead, Peter, ask why, you know, figure out, you, you can't ask any questions yet, but you can tell he tries. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be the most difficult thing. I'm Jessica. He didn't happen upon that 13-month-old by himself. His wife. I bore that child. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I graduated from SFA. We met at school and got married, and we've been here working, and I'm a stay-at-home mom. Um, the best thing about being married is that you can be, just the freedom that you get from being completely emotionally and just physically vulnerable with the person you're living life with. Um, there's just, it's a complete freedom. There's no shame in being naked with this person, um, telling them your deepest, darkest things that you might carry shame about, um, and knowing that there's forgiveness and grace, um, and knowing that you started on the same plane. He is just as sinful as I am. So that's the best part. And the sex is good too. <laughs> Uh, my name is Brian. Uh, yeah, you did. That's your fault. Uh, my name is Brian. Uh, I graduated from SFA uh, in 2010, but I'm back doing grad school. I'm an um, athletic trainer, uh, currently working with the men's basketball team. Um, I got the difficult one. 
So if she hits me or anything, it's all on y'all. <laughs> I completely blame y'all. Um, no, but the, probably the most difficult thing about marriage, like that word's really heavy because the first time you hear it, you think the bad stuff. And there's nothing bad about marriage at all. It's just the things that will challenge you in order to get closer with your significant other. Um, the things that I think that we've came up with that um, have become difficult is just being two different people spending every moment with each other. You know, when you're in a relationship, you know, you can, like if you're just in your dating relationship and you get in an argument, uh, y'all can just go home. You don't have to look at each other afterwards, <laughs> you know. But, you know, if we get into a fight, then I'm like, oh, dang it, she's here. <laughs> so... It's just learning how to, to have a better understanding of how each other work, um, just how you're wired, because everyone's wired differently. Everyone, God created us in all so many different ways, um, different emotionally, different, um, you know, the things that you, you look for to be appreciated is totally different. Um, and it's just work through those things to figure each other out. And, you know, we've been married, we'll be married for four years in uh, July. And, um, you know, we're still working through it. We're still figuring each other out. We're still figuring out what irritates the, one, the person or what, you know, makes them happy. And um, it just working through those things at first because you start off as completely different people and your dating relationship doesn't really reflect what your marriage is gonna look like totally because you still, you, you pick up, you see new habits, you see new things. And um, it's just finding that endurance to, to um, love the other one properly and figuring out, uh, you know, the ways to love them. My name is Katie. I'm his wife. Um, yep. <laughs> we have one son, Noah, in my belly. That's my interesting fact. I also graduated from SFA in 2011, and I'm a nurse, and I actually work here at SFA as a nursing instructor now. I got the best part, so hopefully he won't hit me. Um, the <laughs> Just kidding, he's never done that, just for the record. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> he likes to tell people that I hit him all the time though, so I have to at least bring that up. Um, I think the best part of marriage for me has been just truly, I, people told me this would happen and I didn't really recognize it until it happened, but just seeing God's love for me in the most beautiful picture ever. Like, it just, the way that Brian, relates to me like he said we had to figure out life together and so I personally have a lot of really ridiculous habits and expectations and all of those things and so just seeing the way he gave me grace and gives me grace regularly just constantly points me back and makes me think of Jesus and so I feel like our marriage is just the best picture I've ever seen of that on earth and so I get to be reminded of it every single day whenever I look at him or when we face stuff or whatever's going on so for me that's the best. Hi, I'm Michelle Heron. Uh, we've been married six years? Going on six and a half years. And I got the worst part. And uh, I would say pretty much the same thing as everyone said, that it's, it's sanctifying that you're living with a sinner and you have to, sorry, but you have to, you have to die to yourself daily and you have to live that out. Um, and like uh, Brian was saying, you can, leave your roommate or, you know, we live with our roommates, they get on our nerves or we have boyfriend and girlfriend and we don't live with them, but, um, <laughs> but you can leave. And so uh, <laughs> you can't leave your husband and um, he's wonderful. I would also say just in particular with our marriage, uh, his sin that he struggled with, lust, and my sin of the past just being promiscuous and uh, sexual sin and uh, my identity and that's kind of rubbed its ugly head up against each other kind of in our marriage and so we've had to um, apply the gospel to our life and our marriage in many ways so it's perfect now perfect. <laughs> I'll talk about why it's so good I'm Kevin I'm obviously her husband um, when I was 20 about your age just out of college uh, I got to be in a um, group of men that all of them were married except me about seven of them uh, in Fort Worth and uh, they said something that I was, thought it was a little weird at the time, but they said uh, marriage completes the man twice as much as it does the woman. And I would say that's, it, it's true, and that's one of the things 
that is so good about marriage is uh, I don't have to be this uh, kind of what uh, Jessica was saying. You don't have to be anything different. We put up these walls and these shows for, for the world that, that we feel like we have to because that's what the world teaches us. But uh, you can be completely vulnerable. Um, she knows me as bad as I've been, and, uh, and there's freedom there to, um, to know that somebody knows I'm as screwed up as I am and yet she hasn't left. She's still here. And uh, I would say for any of us that, that that's, that's something that is, is a huge security within, within marriage. That, uh, that's probably what we're all looking for when we're, we're dating. We, we don't have that until you actually are, are bound to The only place we can find that for, for sure is in a relationship with, with Christ. But uh, it's the best picture that we can get here of, of what it of what that's like. I think that was really well done, Kevin. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, guys. We will move on. So the, the questions will get a little more difficult, a bit more. Thank so you. the last one's going to get very difficult. Okay. Um, all right. So any of you can answer this question. Um, let's say two of, I want two of you guys to answer this. So you all just pick the first two and um, we can move along into, into the next ones. Uh, if God's love is enough, why do we seek out relationships and do we actually need them? And this better be theologically accurate, completely, okay? I'll go ahead. All right. Well, I mean... Uh, Yes, I think it's God's love is enough, but yes, I think we're called uh, to be able to have spouses. Um, in Genesis, it talks about how uh, man was alone and God saw that he needed a companion. Um, and, but on, on the other front, you've also got Paul who talks about, um, I encourage you guys, if you can, to be single, um, but if the, the lust is too much, if the desire is too much, get married so you don't commit sin. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's a good introduction to the question. He's laid out the theological right. uh, barriers for you. So someone expound on that a bit. That was good. I think that was really good. I guess I would say that uh, to, to jump on that, because it was good for a man to have a wife. He, he, God said it was good before the fall. And, uh, and then when, when um, I think in Christ... Ultimately, we need nothing more than him. She can never give me everything that I can find in Christ. But at the same time, and I think some of that that Paul was speaking to had to do with they're always ready for the end to come, and it would be very difficult to be single, I mean, to be married when persecution really comes. I read something on that once. That might not be correct. But That's I, good. That's anyway, good. so we think about it. You have kids and persecution's coming. Anyway, so... But, um, but like I, I think I was trying to state in the previous answer is there is something we get, uh, a, a picture of the community of the Trinity uh, that, that God has when we commune with other people, whether it be just friendships or the depth of a, uh, of a marriage relationship. And I think that's why relationships are good. They challenge us and rub us and mold us uh, in a way that uh, if you're just a hermit in the woods, it's not going to happen. Right? I think, I think that was uh, I told really Kevin good. Come on, now, when I was single that I was a lot more holy. And then when we got married, he was like, well, you just weren't rubbed. <laughs> you were by yourself. I lived alone. It was a joke. I went. <laughs> she thought she was Did you have something you wanted to add? Yes. Like, okay, come on now. Sorry, Let's I just it. blanked out when I was doing it. Um, and, you know, I think uh, additionally to that, it's just... Um, you know, God is the Trinity, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And even before anything was there, uh, he was in community with himself. Um, and he's called us into relationship with him to be uh, in a relationship. So if we're called to be in a relationship with God, who's a Trinity, who's three people, um, then how much more important is it for us, who's made in God's image, um, to be bonded with someone else and to be able to uh, worship and glorify him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well done. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, let's move on. I think that was, I think y'all hit on it really well. I think so. I think that all makes a lot of sense. So the answer is yes and yes, basically. God's love is enough. And yes, you need to be in relationship. Not necessarily marriage relationship, but in relationship. Okay, I got you. Okay, um, this one's going to be more nuts and bolts about relationship. Is it okay to have doubts about a person when they are pursuing you? And then I think the broader question there, the deeper question there is, uh, will you know when a person is the right one? I think it's definitely okay to have doubts about a person when they're pursuing you because we have doubts about everything. Um, I don't think you have doubt about what you want for lunch and you still eat it. Um, so I think that's not a golden standard, right? So I think the, question, the bigger question would be what are those doubts? Um, when you're deciding, I don't, I don't think there's a light bulb. I don't think Michelle does either. She was just being silly. Um, I don't think there's just this magical moment that everyone tells you there is um, that just goes off and, oh my gosh, this is the one. I think it looks like you're both running as fast as you can towards Jesus and you have like-mindedness in what you believe about Jesus and you like each other. And that is kind of how you move forward. And I think all the other, Brian and I aren't perfect. We're exact opposites pretty much, um, but we both wanted Jesus and ran towards him. And that was the next, it just kind of happened. It wasn't like one day I realized, ta-da, I'm going to marry him. And that started when I was 16. So um, I definitely don't think that it's a, I think you'll know just by knowing they fit what you need in a spouse, um, but nothing more than that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, just to go along with that, I mean, it's pretty much as long as you were both running straight towards Christ, you just kind of realize you just want to join hands with this person and keep running. It's not a, there's not a moment where you just collide, you know, and there's not a, not a big light bulb, not a big flash, not a big moment of, oh, he's the one. Um, it's just like you, through your relationship, you just talk and, and kind of find out what your what your values are in regards to your spiritual relationship. And um, you also make a decision. I mean, you have to think about the future. Is this someone I want to raise a child with? I mean, there are lots of other things that you want to have the same goals in. Um, but ultimately, it's just a deciding that you both want to pursue Christ as hard as you can and that both of you have him as your first priority and not each other. As soon as you start turning toward each other instead of looking straight ahead, uh, that's when your problems start to happen. But just keep looking straight and, yeah. You got something, Kevin. Come on now. Well, when you marry somebody, you've married the right one. There's no, it's done deal. You're now. done. <laughs> I think when you say, you know, I think there's some presuppositions or questions or is this... Yeah. Is this, is this somebody that I can love? Will they always be great to marry? You know, you, I think that all those questions run through your mind, and, and that's, that's such a bad picture of biblically loving your spouse. Uh, once you, you marry them, even if I turn out to be rotten, she's got to love me, or she's got to respect me. She's got to, anyway, it's, she's the right one, period. And ultimately, you know, love is a choice. It's something that you, uh, it's beyond just the butterflies and everything that happens, but it's <clears throat> in the good and the bad. Uh, you're making an active choice and saying, I love you um, despite uh, your flaws and despite my own flaws. Uh, just kind of thinking about the beautiful picture of uh, what, what God has done for us and his love for us, so that it's um, unconditional. Um, and that's kind of, you know, where you see uh, this marriage relationship talks about um, Christ being the husband and the body being the bride. Um, and I think that a lot of that parallels with, uh, you know, kind of as you get into a relationship that becomes marriage of this, this is kind of uh, the direction it goes. And I remember whenever I was getting ready to propose to Katie, I had that same question of, you know, how do I know this is the person for me? How do I know this person I want to be with for the rest of my life? And I remember during that time, I was listening to a sermon uh, from uh, Matt Chandler, and he said he, there was something that went on where he was telling a story of how he chose his wife, and, you know, they were like, how did you know 
that you wanted to marry her? How did you know that was first for you? And he was like, because I chose her. Because I looked at her and I saw that she made me better, um, better than who I was. And she was gonna lead me, she was gonna help lead me to Christ on a regular basis um, every day of my life. And I chose to love this person for the rest of my life. And um, when I look at Katie, that's what I think of all the time. Like I chose this person to be with, to cherish, to honor every single day of my life. And um, it's because the fact that she makes me better every day. And she makes me, uh, uh, she points me towards Christ every day. And if I didn't have that, I have no clue where I would be right now. Um, so, I mean, that's just one of those things where you, you don't just know you have this idea of how compatible this person is for you, but you choose to be with that person for the rest of your life. Lauren, just for the record, when I saw you, I knew. <laughs> so, I'm, this, ours is different, than, I'm sorry. I, like, I knew. Yeah, just so you know. Okay, good. Um, okay, good. Uh, that's good. That's very good. Um, this one's sort of going to come alongside that question. Um, I think on the opposite side. Uh, this person said, I'm afraid of messing up a relationship again. How do I know when I'm ready to date again? I should have put again there twice. Good question. Kevin, you've messed up a lot, so you might. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Okay. Okay. It's true. Okay. Uh, I don't think you do know when you're ready again. I think in any time, in any like, relationship, there's a certain level of risk. Uh, you would hope you don't get in a cycle and do the same things again. That wouldn't make sense because they didn't work for you the last time. But uh, um, I don't know that there's a time when you know you're ready again. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> um, man. We're not called to live in fear. So if, if you've had anything in your past that you failed at in relationships, anything, you're not called to live in fear. Um, and so to continue to live your life in fear of messing up, um, I mean, you're just, you're not living in light of grace and forgiveness. Um, I would say, how do you know when you're ready to date again? You never reach this defining point where you're like, I am at the exact right moment of when I should be in a relationship, or I am at the right exact moment of when I should be married. Um, your entire life is a process of sanctification, and dating relationships are included in that. Um, it is a process of sanctification. So um, I, I think it's just, it's a part of trust. And if that's something that you're spiritually working on at that point in time, um, then uh, it's just taking that leap of faith and knowing that as long as you are pursuing your relationship with the Lord first and putting him first, that what had or ha whatever happens in that relationship is, is the process of one, being in his will, and two, the sanctification. So you're saying uh, as long as... Uh, as long as you are learning to place your trust in the Lord, um, that's going to be sort of that. And that praying His part. will and choosing to pursue His will, and, and that's your goal. Not not trying to to get to your point where you're ready to be in a relationship, but just to a point where you are right before the Lord, where you are where you are pursuing His will more than your own personal will in your life. Um, that at, at that point in time, it's just it's just trusting that whatever falls behind that is. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, kind of to expound upon that, uh, not making that relationship an idol. Um, if you're going into it, or this is desire, and you said, if I just have this, then I'll be happy, or then things will be better, um, then I think you need to reevaluate uh, the reason why you're pursuing that relationship. Um, if it's filling a void that God should be filling. Um, because I think it's really easy to get caught up in our own sin, our own desires, and our own wants, uh, because sin is all about uh, how can I satisfy myself? Um, how can I uh, make my life better? Um, and then I think once you, once you start reflecting really on what the purpose of that relationship is, what the end result of it is, um, then it kind of gives you a little bit more of uh, uh, an idea, a scope of of where you stand on, on that question of am I ready or not. Okay, so if you're making the relationship or being ready to be in a relationship, the end goal 
you're probably in a bad spot, and that's not a great end goal. Okay, that's good. I like that. Okay, um, this one I'm going to address to you guys just specifically uh, because uh, I know where you guys have been. Um, address singleness and unmet expectations. How do you deal uh, with expecting to marry shortly after college and not having that desire met? I think a lot of people, there's this cultural pattern. You know, you go to college, you find your spouse in college, you get married after college, and then what happens when, when life doesn't go along uh, with our society or our culture sort of schedule? Well, it took us a while to get married. Uh, she was 38 and I was 35, so life didn't really go along. Um, I think... Um, it causes you, whether you want to or not, to evaluate uh, um, your singleness. You evaluate uh, a, a lot of things. Um, uh, we were talking with uh, a, little, a lady last night about this very thing, and she said something. I don't know if I'll get it right. But, uh, you know, I think at some point we both asked, uh, you know, what can, what can you know, and, and she kind of touched on it, but what can, what is marriage promising me that, that, God can't give me. I think that's something you have to, because uh, I definitely about elevated marriage. I wanted to be married pretty bad, um, uh, probably for all the well, no doubt for all the wrong reasons. Uh, I wanted to have sex, so uh, it's not really the main reason. It's a good one though. Um, it's w worth the wait. It's a good reason to want to be. Anyway, we won't get into that. But uh, and so. Um, I don't know if I really had huge expectations to be married right after college, but then you know how it goes. You have about five friends that get married, and you're in every wedding, and uh, you don't wind up dating one of the bridesmaids. And then uh, another five years later, another group of them gets married, and you don't date one of those bridesmaids because, you know, and you're like, well, when am I going to get married? And uh, so you have these expectations of, of, well, when is it my turn? And, you know, there's a real loneliness that happens because... Um, you know, we're, we're created for that. And um, I think uh, at some point it, it just comes down to, it came down for me to being okay with, with never being married. Um, um, because there's so many things that singleness affords you the chance to do if you choose to see it in that light. Um, that I didn't do a very good job of seeing it in that light for a long time. But uh, uh, you can go and do, and you can go and, and, and be available to, to minister, to, to do whatever God calls you to. It's not as easy once you get married, and especially once you start having kids uh, uh, or dogs. So. I can tell you all uh, kind of a little bit of my story and uh, how I did it completely wrong because I did expect to get married. I, I didn't become a believer until I was 27, and so... Right after college, I was looking for, I wanted to be married, so I was looking for relationships and anything, just going to anything, any, any man or had a lot of bad relationships thinking, oh, this is the one, he's going to marry me, and just trying to escape um, <clears throat> wanting to be married. I thought that wanting to be married would fix everything, and so God had other plans and saved me, and praise the Lord, I did not marry the one that I wanted to marry, and so... I became, like I said, a believer when I was 27, and then I still really had the desire. That was a really strong desire to be married, of course, and I was 27 and old, and things were starting to not work, and you know what I mean. Um, just kidding. So, <laughs> so the plumbing, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Okay. That's why we put you up here, Michelle, because I know. <laughs> Just give you enough time. You're going to say something okay, I'm really awesome. Okay. So at 30, I started to become more and more content. And I'll be honest, this doesn't happen with everybody. But God just kind of, I really started enjoying my singleness. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be married. I think the worst thing is going to be I'll be old later. So I have to find people to take care of me when I'm in a nursing home. And so that still may happen. So I'm trying to, if you want to, Amy said she'd take care of me. Okay. Anyway. So, but I, I became very content and I had friends and we, you know, I had Bible studies and I could do so much. And there's so much that you can do in your singleness that you can't do as a married person. I mean, and so I think John Piper says, don't waste your cancer. So don't waste your, your singleness too. <laughs> um, 
don't waste your singleness. Don't wait. I think we're always wishing we're just not happy and content in where we are, and we're wanting to be somewhere else. And so, you know, we, we want to have a baby, or we want to be married, or we just enjoy where you are and let the Lord use you um, in that time of life. Oh, I was just going to, so, so basically what you're saying is the Lord's going to put different people in different situations at different times, and it's okay to struggle in that and allow the Lord to teach you while you're there and also don't get so caught up in the grass is greener on the other side and that's where life is going to be found but allow allow the lord to teach you and it's okay to struggle while you're there it's okay to to want something else but and you're always bringing that to the lord not just making it bitter towards god yeah okay i I'm just i'm just putting you know okay i don't think i was ever i was ever 100% okay with being single but i was okay with whatever God was going to give me. So mm, yeah. I was okay, but, you know, I still would argue with him. In fact, before I met her, I had a good argument with him. Then he gave me her the next day. Pretty cool. So you're saying that we should <laughs> pick a fight with God tonight. <laughs> yeah, pick a fight tonight. Tomorrow you'll get a call for to get set up. You'll never start, stop dating that person. It'll work. Okay. Which is what happened. But. Okay, uh, this one has a little bit of... Uh, a few sentences before we actually get to the question. Uh, so, um, you're, oh, you're getting ready, huh? Okay. <laughs> okay, experts, experts suggest that masturbation can improve sexual health. Uh, in men, it would significantly reduce uh, chances of prostate cancer. And in women, masturbation um, can reduce chances of yeast infection, other urinary tract infections as well as a reduction in menstrual cycle pains. A national study suggests that 95% of men and 89% of women are taking matters into their own hands. I didn't write the question, all right? I did not write this question. And there was a lot of research in this question. I don't know, someone was in here like looking up studies, okay? I don't know who it was, okay. Um, so then let's, I'm going to bring the question in. Do we really want to lower our chances of sexual health just to be the 5% or 11% who don't? Katie. (laughs) We're going to get the nurse on this one. The nurse in me just wants to talk about this a little bit more. Um, first I would challenge you as you're looking at research, to make sure that the research is saying what it's claiming to say. So a lot of studies may show connections between two things like prostate cancer and masturbation, but just because they're connected doesn't mean that one causes the other. Um, So therefore, I haven't seen the study that was cited, so I'm not disproving it, but I would just be very careful with that. Um, especially on the women's health, the yeast infections and the urinary tract infections, that doesn't really make a lot of sense from an anatomical nursing side of it. So um, I can't prove it wrong, but I just would be very careful with those kind of things. Um, And then I think definitely probably the statistics, the 95 and 89% is true. Um, But I guess my answer would be, yeah, I do want to risk my sexual health. if that means that I'm serving Jesus and because I mean who's in control of my sexual health anyway he's seated on the throne like Kevin said earlier and so my health in general is in his hands Um, so I think there's just a a deeper question there Um, it kind of seems like you might have it already figured out what you want the answer to be but I would just challenge you to take a little bit further maybe that's all I got. We actually got to talk about this question earlier, so we weren't blindsided. <laughs> and uh, Brian said it very well. Um, I don't know many. You want to say? <laughs> I made I made a joke about this, and this is basically towards the guys. I can't. I obviously I can't speak on a female standpoint, but it. It's, it's, it was funny, but it's pretty true. There's not a guy 
on God's green earth that right before he masturbates thinks I'm gonna lower my prostate cancer chances today. <laughs> Not one. And that's the, that's the honest, that's just being absolutely true. That's the honest truth. There's not one guy that's gonna think that because every time a guy, sorry if I'm talking really loud, uh, every time a guy goes to do anything like that or commit that act, it stemmed from some lustful thing that he saw, something that he saw on TV, something that he saw on his computer, something that he you know, saw just walking around. And it's just that, that that is where it stemmed from. So it stemmed from something that isn't pure. And trust me, I've been there and I, I, I understand that thought process and I'm, I'm not afraid to say that because it is a battle for a guy because our flesh, when it comes to lust, is so weak. But um, uh, you can't use something like this to say, I'm being pure and I'm, I'm doing something to improve my health. But, and even if this is true, are you improving your health with Christ? Are you improving your health with God because you're not doing this in a godly fashion. This is just strictly off of selfishness and your lust. And then um, we also talked, I, hopefully I'm not stealing from you, but, <laughs> but we also talked about like, you know, even if you do this in a relationship, if you do it in your marriage, you're taken away from your significant other every time you do it. You're, you're devaluing your significant other every single time you do something like that. And um, so you can't sit here and look at something like this and say, oh great, I can now have my leeway to do it because anytime you do it, everyone in this room knows that it's not stemmed from that. It's not stemmed from you know, decreasing my, my chance of any kind of health issues. It's stemmed from this straight selfishness and dislust. That's something that's just completely untrue. And Satan is a great deceiver. Um, you know, he, he wants us to use these and justify it. Um, you know, just Take, take, a, take a second and think about it. He deceived angels that were in the presence of God, um, and he deceived them and said, hey, why don't you instead, you know, uh, uh, not be in the presence of God, basically. Um, so if he can do that, he's going to do everything in his power um, to, to manipulate us and to make us justify. Um, and then in that justification, um, there's, there's shame and secrecy and all sorts of stuff that comes with that. Um, but it starts with justification. Um, and, and that's where immediately you need to take control of it and rebuke the thoughts. There's a great book called At the Altar of Sexual Idolatry. It's by a guy named Steve Gallagher, and I, and I read it because um, I probably dealt with this a whole lot longer in, in, in a single format uh, than... than the folks up here uh, being married so late, but um, and he makes a pretty bold statement in there that, that really was uh, difficult to hear uh, when you're struggling with, with lust or whatever, and he basically said, and I'm not going to say it right, but uh, that a man cannot masturbate regularly, basically is what he said, and walk with the Lord. That's, that's pretty hard to hear when you, when you thought you were trying, but here's, here's where I think he was getting at because he says it uh, a number of times, and, and it's the question that this whole thing begs, whether it's a guy or a girl, is who is on the throne when you are doing that? And uh, uh, it's, it's you. It's not God. It's not your spouse. It's, not, it's, it's you and whatever it is you're putting in your mind where nothing goes wrong in that fantasy land. There's no, there's no awkward smells. You're, you're, you're king of the world. Uh, Everything, everything works in your fantasy land. You're God. And, uh, and that's, that's, I think, the ultimate qu uh, issue with this, this thing. And uh, it's a difficult, hard battle. Uh, there's plenty of people who say, go ahead. Uh, I would say, as, as somebody who, who's fought it and, and been in it, is it did, did more to hurt me uh, in some ways. I mean, I, I was fortunate to have not had sexual intercourse before marriage, but this little battle here, all it did was cause me to be so self-righteous because I wasn't doing these things. And so you, 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 you're in this little fantasy world where I, I'm not as bad as somebody else, but the truth is I'm, I'm, all I'm doing is, was doing was putting myself up on, a, on, on the throne and, and uh, saying, God, I'm going to do it this way until it, my needs are met the way I want them met 
which is in, in a spouse and in marriage, and, and that just damages it, and, uh, and it damages uh, my ability to, uh, um, to love and, 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 and deal with others because of the self-righteousness that I think can develop from that lifestyle. Did you have something else, Katie? I'm just going to say one more thing, and I think oh, y'all okay. probably have, oh, sorry, said it, but like Terrell's sermon, everything on sex, so good. Good job, Terrell. But um, when he, I mean, sex is serving the other person, and it is an act of serving somebody else, so how can self-satisfaction, that, that just, it doesn't go together, so, yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's really easy for this topic to the girls to just close their ears because it's not talked about ever, um, but it's real, and it happens with girls, obviously, 89 to 95%, that's not that much different, um, and I think that sometimes it's even more of a stronghold because it's the pleasure is difficult to obtain for girls more than it is for guys, and so it's like this entitlement of I know how to do it better, so I can just do it myself. And I've heard that before, and I don't know that anyone would say it out loud in a group, but um, it's not okay just because it's harder. It's possible to obtain it with your spouse um, just fine. So it just takes a little more work. <laughs> and a lot more fun. <laughs> I'm glad y'all got this question. I'm glad y'all got this question and not me. And y'all did remarkable, remarkably well. Uh, so thank you for thank your you too. on that one, too. Okay, so this last one, uh, this is the last question. Um, I'm going to read uh, a text, 1 Corinthians 7. Um, um, and I just want you to think about it. There's a couple parts in here that I think may rub up against um, our culture a little bit. Um, and so I just want to see. And y'all can be as open or as closed as you like about your, your life. Uh, so, here we go. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 to 5. Now concerning the matters, this is Paul writing, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So discuss this verse and how these principles have played out in your marriage. Or not played out. I don't know. So, um, Can you keep the verse up there? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's, it's easy to um, abuse this. Uh, passage and and to say you know uh, whenever I want it you have to give it to me or you know something like that um, but just think about uh, what what Jesus came and presented to us um, compute com complete humility and uh, and serving he said the last will be first and the first will be last um, so I think part of this is what he's talking about is uh, Jessica's body is for me and I'm to serve her, and I'm supposed to treat her uh, like I would treat myself. Um, and, and yes, there's the piece in there that talks about <clears throat> giving conjugal rights. Um, and I think that that's to the point of uh, it's, sex isn't a weapon. Um, it's not something that you withhold or that you uh, give. If someone, you know, if someone did a good job, it's like, all right, you know, here's your reward. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it's... Uh, we're called to, to love and, and serve one another, and, and, and that's what it is. It's not about uh, going to sex isn't about, great, I get, I get mine. Um, it's about I, I, want to, I want to fulfill her, and I want to make her um, complete. And in that, that's the, the opportunity, going back to um, one of those first questions, where we get to uh, be in a relationship and become one 
um, and it's ultimately glorifying to God. It all starts. It all starts with that marriage covenant. I mean, you pretty much you're you're giving yourself to this person, and they do the exact same thing for you, and that in a sexual sense applies. Um, and that you, you just can't look at it as like a like they own my body, like women's lip. I own myself. Um, it is very much of a like it, it's it's I'm I'm giving you something that you are giving back to me, just as God gave His grace and His Son. It's just this beautiful picture of complete like wholeness and an entirety. Um, and I mean, in regards to deprivation, um, there will be times in people's marriages where you go through peaks and valleys of having sex. Um, and like Isaac said, it just can't be used as a weapon, um, it, you know, to, to hurt one another or to, you know, just because you don't get something that you don't want or if, you, you know, if they do something well. Um, but I mean, there are, there are times in your life where that definitely does happen, where it's just so much easier to serve yourself and say, I am way too tired, I don't wanna deal with this, as opposed to like, this is something that my husband wants, he wants to love me and I want to love him in return, even if it's inconvenient, even if I'm completely exhausted, even if I am nine months pregnant and I am hot and sweaty and I'm tired. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, you know, it, you love your husband because he loves you the exact same way, even, even if it's not a physical, um, yeah. And I mean, it really is just about communication because we say all this and, and we've, we've had many conversations of where, you know, things have started or we want them to happen and, and you know, one side or the other. Um, and it's just, it's something that you've got to, to work and the whole point is that uh, you know, we want to honor God. We want to honor our relationship, and um, yeah. Yeah, and when you know, I mean, obviously, you go into a relationship. When you know that the person that you're with, at least I know with Isaac, you know the sexual lust that he deals with every single day. The the more that you deprive your spouse of that, it's just that yearning that's within them. It's that you don't want to become a part of the problem. And I'm not saying have sex with your husband all the time, so we won't you know, masturbate or look at porn. But, I mean, that shouldn't be the end goal, but it's just a, you wanna be a part of the solution. You wanna love your husband so that that becomes a less of a struggle in his life. And women, even if you're not married, as sisters in Christ, like, that should be a goal as well. Um, you, you do not wanna tempt the men that are in your lives or around you. It's just a continuing to be a part of, of not fixing the problem, but being less of the problem. I think that this verse is really, really packed, and so it's hard to pick out little parts, but one part that stood out to me was that the wife doesn't have authority over her own body, and I'll be completely honest with you that when I first read that, I don't like it at all, because I am not, even in our marriage, anyone can tell you I struggle with trying to take control all the time. That's just my personality, and Brian's naturally passive and sweet, and so it just happens. Um, but I think that and our culture has just butchered this with women's lip. So, because it's all under, this is all in light of the gospel. And so, I'm not giving him, I don't lose authority to my body just because he's a man. I lose authority to my body because God gave him to lead me and to serve me, and he earns that authority as he loves me the way Christ loved me. Like, in Ephesians 6, the scripture where it make, tells women to submit to men and everyone gets so upset and wound up about it, it tells men to love their wives as Christ loved the church. That charge is way greater than me submitting to him. So their job is way bigger. So I think that you have to look at this in light of all of scripture and you have to look at it in light of the relationship in the way that it was meant to function when it's functioning well. I do not think this is saying that a man has a right to just take what he wants when you say no. And it is also not saying that if you deprive him, he can just do whatever. I think that the charge is to, like, it's to you to serve them. And so just whenever you first read it, I think it's just easy to distort that and think about the negative. But whenever it's put in the right context, it's really beautiful scripture. So. You guys got anything you feel that was sufficient or what do you think? You just look like you got something on your mind, Kevin. There's always something on my mind. I know. <laughs> we may have to go home early tonight. 
Okay. I'm just, right. kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just breaking up the tension. Sorry. Sorry. No, but really, it, it doesn't work like that. And you do get tired, both of you. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, she touched on some things that I think are very important. Uh, it doesn't just give... You said something. You said, as long as he's loving the wife like Christ loved the church. So, really, my wife does. I don't. I don't really blame her if if I've been a jerk all day and then all of a sudden I need a little action and she says no. Uh, sorry, action. That's not probably the best word. <laughs> sorry. It's a beautiful I, picture. Sorry. We're in college. Okay, but uh, there's, there's a phrase in a, that women are crockpots and men are microwaves. Okay, you might hear that. You ever heard that? I have, I have, but you'll have so, to flush it out for the, well, here, young, it, the youngins. The point is this, that it, it takes a while to warm a woman up, and we're ready. We're a microwave, and, uh, and, and God has designed it. God has designed it that way. It is the most beautiful thing. We're to love her like, like Christ loved the church. And when, when we do this, uh, it could be taking out the trash, which I hate to do. It could be making the bed throughout the day. Just little things that kind of go, man, he's, he's really taking care of me. And, uh, and, and those things are what, what, you know, warm her up. Sitting down and just listening and talking, which I'm not very good at. Uh, those are the things that warm up up my crock pot. Uh, and, 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 but those aren't things I do just to warm her up. I shouldn't be doing those just hopefully by the end of the day. But, you know, but, but serving does something for it. And, and God has designed us anatomically like that as well. And, and because we touched on it earlier, that it's harder for women than it is for men to enjoy sex and all that. And so we really have to work. If, if you are really willing to serve your wife in the capacity of sexual relations, it, it, it's, it's not like it just you see in the movies. That, Ooh, bang, it's awesome. And then you, you lay back in silk sheets. and No, there's, there's an element of I really have to take some, take some time to... to, to uh... Anyway, and so, but, but my point is... Uh, so I think our society has really jacked up this verse, too, because you, you see you, men are very passive. Where we're called to lead, the opposite is true. We, we're passive. And so somehow in our culture, this idea of this domineering woman who kicks tail and then, and then uh, finds some man, what is that? That's not even close to a biblical reality of, of the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, and so... Those ideas are all, all wrong and, and jacked up. And uh, anyway, jacked up, you like that? <laughs> uh, I got off track. That, that's okay. There we go. Um, I had something to add. Oh, I got one thing to add. Okay, come quick. on. Bro. Just because um, I feel like it's important to say, I feel from a guy's standpoint, well, from my standpoint, I feel the same way that Katie does when it says that, um, that a man has authority you know, over a woman's body. And that's that hits me the wrong way because when I look at scripture, when I study scripture, I see how God um, uh, sets these, these things, these guidelines for a man to be a godly man and a godly man to his uh, wife. And, you know, it's really heavy in the Bible. It's really heavy on, uh, with those scriptures. And then with women, it's not as, as, as heavy. And I think it's there for a purpose because you as the man, you're designed and you're made to lead her and to cherish her and to love her with everything that you have. The fact that that scripture says that you have authority doesn't mean that you can just, uh, you know, use and abuse that, that, that part the way that you want to and to take from it the way that you want to take from it. I believe that God gives us that authority because he wants to raise us up to be these godly men that will cherish their wives the way that it's meant to be cherished, to, to um, treat them the way that they deserve to be treated. Um, whenever I first, when I first saw that, that was the thing that really stuck out to me. I just felt like that's something that should be said because 
I mean, sometimes you can sit there and read that. I know that before I was as close with Christ as I am now, if I would have read that, I'd be like, huh, sweet. But, you know, and, but that's just so not true and that's so unhealthy to a relationship. Like, she's, she's made, like, uh, I don't know, like a, I feel bad, the only thing that can pop in my head, like a, you know, like a rare china dish or something like that. You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to break it. You want to, you, you want to take care of it with everything that you have. You don't want to tarnish it because it was a gift given to you or it was something that was given to you. So I look at Katie as something that God gave to me to cherish and to take care of and to put on this, this uh, mantle, not higher than him, but put on this mantle higher than myself and to cherish and love it the way that it's supposed to. Can I say something real quick? I know we got to go. Okay. I'm going to be real honest. I fail at that a lot. And um, I'm working on that (laughs) Uh, because I know that it is biblical and it is good. Um, And so I I think that because, I just want to tell you ladies this too, because, and men, my past and the things that I was involved in, the things that I saw, the um, things that happened to me in my past, I looked at that and I was like, uh uh-uh, no man is going to do that. You know, and I was married and I'm, I'm a Christian and I am, I had to wrestle with that and I had to wrestle with God and just to see it as a good, beautiful thing because I didn't see it as good and beautiful. And, um, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm still, he's working on that with me and I'm 45 and we've been married for six years. And so I just want to say that because, um, it is beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. And I know that in my head, it is a beautiful act and it is, it is such a picture of the gospel, but, um, I just want to be real that it's um, it hadn't been always okay. Let's do it. It's been no. I feel shame. I feel dirty, and I ha- and we and we've had to work through that. So, but now we are having victory. We said that in our video. Yeah, I think I think that's a lot of uh, what y'all been saying a lot tonight. Is you can be you can be a part of the healing process. Um, both of you can, or you can be a part of the destroying process. Like you you can play whatever role you want in that. Um, and I think the way that God's designed life to work is that we would be a part of the healing process. Um, so, yeah, that makes total sense. I think that makes a lot of sense.